your friendly neighborhood hatchet man, Brother Craig, back here with the really real deal on the Billy Graham story. We have uh, joining us, uh, as promised here on Theology Thursday, is uh, none other than Mr. William Martin. Uh, Mr. Martin is a Harvard grad, and uh, we won't hold that against him. <laughs> He's the Harry and Hazel uh, Chavain Emeritus Professor of Religion and Public Policy um, a scholar in the Department of Sociology at Rice in Houston. And uh, he retired in 05, and uh, he's served as their senior fellow for religion and public policy uh, over at the James Baker Institute for Public Policy at Rice. And uh, Mr. Martin has been on uh, many national uh, television and radio programs, 60 Minutes, Nightline, 2020, Today, Frontline, All Things Considered, um, he's published numerous national and regional periodicals, Atlantic, Harper's, Esquire, uh, on and on. And uh, while researching, he was given exclusive access to the Billy Graham archives. And now he's joining you here in Central Virginia with the really real deal. How are you, Mr. Martin? I'm doing very fine, Brother Craig. Yeah, it's so nice to have you. And uh it's uh, and you know something, and I can kind of hear it in your voice when you say "brother Craig." You know what you know what the brother means, don't you? Indeed, indeed. God bless you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And uh, you know, this is a great book. I'm gonna tell you. Um, I, you know, we get so many books uh, in the mail. I mean, there have been weeks when I've gotten twenty some odd books in the mail, and uh, but this one, you know. I'm, I'm not old enough to remember the young Billy Graham, but, you know, in, in my awareness of, of Billy Graham, he's more of a uh, uh, an elder statesman of uh, of faith. And but in reading this book one night, I couldn't sleep and I read the whole book in, in just a couple of hours. It's actually a kid's book here. So uh, what Zonderkids.com? dot com. That's right. And, and there, I, I wrote originally and I've kept it up to date uh, till Mr. Graham ends his ministry at some point, a, a, bio, a larger biography that appeared first in, in 1991. But uh, like you, you know, or as you described there, a lot of people don't know, a lot of younger people now, in fact, don't even know who Billy Graham is. Or, yeah, or and what, that's how a shame. Yeah. What, how important it was, and that's why that Ed Zondervan and, and I wanted to write a book so that it would be accessible to kids so they could understand that this was one of the great men of God in the 20th century. Yes. And in the 21st century, of course. But much, you know, he, he began his public ministry in the early 1940s and continued for 70 years. Yeah, yeah. Pretty- it, it is great here uh, reading about him and his background and how he got started and... Um, I mean, it's just what the um, what the church was like when he was young, the strictness, and you look at how things have uh, gone uh, somewhat astray uh, in recent years with, um, you know, preachers making overtures to uh, homosexual marriage, and uh, now they're even boycotting Israel. And uh, when I look at, wow, when Billy Graham was young, these people instilled in him what made him great. Well, of course, there has been a great deal of a great deal of change over this period. But also, I, I think it's important to recognize that a lot of the change that has happened has been positive. Uh, that uh, when he was a young man, he was also dealing. You know, much of the criticism that came to him when he was young came from 
from fundamentalists who, hardliners, who didn't really believe that he should associate with uh, anybody outside of a very narrow circle. And right. he determined not to be held back like that. As long as people didn't want to, didn't tell him what he had to preach, then he was willing to accept the support of a wider number of people. And he got criticized for that, but that enabled him to preach the gospel effectively to far millions more than those who said, you know, everybody except Cave 73 is going to hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was very instrumental in bringing the uh, Southern Baptists around as far as race relations, I understand. He was a very early supporter of Dr. King, and, and at uh, many of his events, they were during times of segregation. He insisted that there would be no segregation uh, where, when he was there to preach. That's right. Early in the 1950s, in a, in, a, in a crusade in Chattanooga, he personally went down and removed the ropes that separated what they called the colored section at the time. And then in, in 1957, in a great crusade that lasted all summer in Madison Square Garden, and Dr. King was leading the boycotts in, in Montgomery. He invited Dr. King to come to, hit, to, come to lead prayer on, as part of the service, and he said Dr. King is doing a great work there, and also to talk with his, with his staff about how they could, what they could do to, to be more effective in, in bridging the, the racial gap. And he lost an awful lot of people supporting him at that time. But Dr. King, by, by being there, Dr. King was saying, Billy Graham is our friend, and Billy Graham was saying, Dr. King is a person we should listen to. And that, that carried on. He was less, uh, Billy Graham was always uh, very careful in his uh, public. He, he didn't like to make waves, and sometimes he was critical of Dr. King, and sometimes Dr. King thought Billy should have done more. But the way I put it is, Billy Graham was seldom at the front of the parade, but he was almost always in front of his unit and leading it forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's um, and it, and it's a it's a great thing that he's done here, and it's been so many years of doing it that he has a very very large organization, and now his family, um, his son Franklin, uh, starting to carry the reins more, and uh, but. Mr. Graham himself is still uh, kind of spry and, 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 and able to articulate a little bit, isn't he? Well, he's, he's, uh, I guess it's too much to say he's spry because these days he's very, very weak, but, but his mind is still good, mm-hmm. uh, thank God. And um, in recently, uh, just a few months ago, you may have seen the national uh, broadcast that was shown around the country. It was a very effective um, program on the power of the cross and they show it was really enjoyable to me because it showed some clips from his other from his younger years uh as a as a the power that he had as a preacher and then it winds up with his sitting on the front porch of his place in in up in the blue hills in montreat um north carolina looking out into the out into the sky is an old old man Mm -hmm. but still a man that when he when he spoke and what he had to say was was very powerful. Yeah, and it really was powerful. I've looked at some clips on YouTube of him preaching uh, as a young man, and uh, he was like what I like to call a paint peeling pastor. I mean, he could peel <laughs> peel paint off the wall. <laughs> <laughs> we need more of that, I think. <laughs> <laughs> you know, his he uh, he he's looked on. Um, I think it's the Trinity Broadcasting Network. 
plays classic Billy Graham, the programs from his early, earlier preaching. And his, one of his daughters told me that Daddy looks at those and he says, I wish I could preach with that kind of power. But she also said that his later preaching, which was much more conversational mm-hmm. and direct and actually more appropriate for television, uh, she said it has a kind of a power and a gentleness and a pulling that he, that, that he I think, is just as, uh, just as powerful. So even though he changed his method, he never changed his message. Mm-hmm. And that was the heart of his success, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So now what do you think is going to be his, his greatest legacy? Um, you know, and we're going to give some, we have, you sent, you were so kind to send us uh, several extra copies of the book. And so uh, as, as callers call in after the interview here, we, we'll make sure that we'll give these books away. Oh, good. I think his, it's interesting. He will have, there's so many things that, that, um, that he did. You know, he held crusades around the world. Uh, he spoke in person to more than 80 million people. Imagine that. Yes. And over television to more than 200 million. And something over 3 million people came to, came to faith in his, uh, you know, answered the call at the end of his sermon. He held conferences and he trained evangelists and he was a pioneer in media. But I think his, his greatest legacy may be one that's impossible to measure but it's in the tens of thousands of itinerant evangelists that his organizations trained in big conferences and in smaller conferences, all of this since about 1980. And I don't think any single person will be the next Billy Graham, mm-hmm. in part because evangelical Christianity has become, in a significant measure, because of what Billy Graham did, so large and diverse and multifaceted that nobody can dominate it as he did, regardless of talent or dedication. It's just not going to happen. There are too many parts of it to say, let's look to this one person. But there will be thousands of people who will become, as, as they say, little Billy Grahams. Mm-hmm. And he, said, he has said at conferences in Amsterdam, one of which I got to, to attend in 1986, he says, you are my successors. And it's important to remember that Billy Graham's not an office in the Christian church that has to be filled like pope or bishop. Right. They're, There'll be people carrying on the work inspired by him, and that's what's important. I think he'll be remembered as a person of integrity and to quote a scripture that I like to apply to him as a workman who needeth not to be ashamed. Right. And now as we close, uh, Mr. Martin, share interesting what you said about his personal integrity, okay, because there was a um, conference that uh, Billy Graham had uh, when uh, and what I found uh, fascinating about that is that there was this group of four or five uh, evangelists who were they were boyhood friends and they are still friends to this day those that are still living and they've been together all these years but they had a conference to discuss what it is about preachers and 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 religious movements that allow Satan to come in and personally attack uh, based on the um, lack of uh, awareness of of of, of uh, keeping keeping your own character true, right? As, as far was... as money, women. Uh, so, speak a little bit about his impact on training ministers in that way, because there there are a lot of people in the church uh, that don't follow that, and there are a lot of people that have recognized that, and as a result, they have left Christianity. That's true. That that a lot of people leave 
not so much because they gave up on on gave up their faith, but they gave up their confidence in the rectitude of the people who were supposed to be standing for the faith. But in the latter, the late 1940s, at a at a crusade that was going pretty well in uh, Modesto, California, uh, Billy called his his uh, his associates, Cliff Barrows, who's still living, George Beverly Shea, who was who is who is now dead, and um, a couple of others, and said, "Boys, it looks like." Uh, God has some great things for us, possibly, but we need to talk about the, the things that have brought other ministries to shipwreck over the years. So let's go off in our rooms and make a list of some of these things. And they came back, and the list <clears throat> was not exceptional. You've, you've mentioned them, really. Sexual temptation, uh, money problems, you know. Another one was coming into a town, as the revivalists often do, and criticizing the local churches and the local preacher and saying, you've send your money to me rather than to them, mm-hmm. and that left the churches in a, in a problem. And also not telling the truth about their, you know, exaggerating their statistics. So pretty soon, well, one of the rules they made that's really done more than anything is all of the people in their, in their organization are expected. A man is not supposed to be alone with a woman other than his wife or daughter or sister in, in an automobile, in a restaurant, or in an office with the door closed, uh, lest, you know, lest there be temptation or lest there be, you know, people will say, awesome. well, a problem of some yes. kind. And to make their, make their financial, uh, their records open so people can see how the money is being spent. Let, you know, not to criticize preachers, but instead of saying, follow me, to say, get yourselves into a good church right here in this city. Other things like that. And that, that, that worked, of course, to his um, advantage because churches then began to, to uh, local preachers began to trust them and to want to have them come. But it's good advice, and, and it's interesting over the years, uh, Craig, that when people say, um, they talk about somebody, you know, of the various scandals that have happened, they will, it almost always comes up that if they had just followed the the advice Billy Graham mm-hmm. and his friends gave, and they call it since it was in Modesto. Modesto Manifesto. Manifesto. <laughs> Modesto Manifesto <laughs> had a long life. Sixty-five years later, it's still good. It's still good advice. Amen. God bless you, sir. And uh, you know, it's so great having you. And uh, you can just feel free. You can grace the uh, the Brother Craig show anytime, sir. Well, thank you very much. And I hope that your listeners. Uh, I know you have some to give away. Yes, sir. Uh, I hope that there are more people that want it. You can. They can get it from by going on Zondervan.com and ordering the book directly. And I, I know Zondervan and I would both appreciate that, and I think I hope the book would be a blessing to them. Oh, okay. What's that website again? Zondervan.com, Z-O-N-D-E-R-V-A-N, the same as, you know, the okay. short book. Okay. Thank you. God okay. bless you. Thank you. Bless you. All right. Bye, Bye now.